So here's today's transformational truth. Faith conquers the doubt that keeps us from destiny. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. So here's today's transformational truth. Faith conquers the doubt that keeps us from destiny. So last year, I wrote my very first book entitled Seven Deadly Thoughts. And since then, I haven't done much on transformational truths with those seven deadly thoughts. So today, I wanted to start a series that focused on the seven deadly thoughts that I highlight in my book. And I trust that these principles I'm going to share with you over the next seven weeks are going to be both practical and enlightening. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Our first deadly thought can be traced all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Okay, and it's just a, it's a thought that is just as diabolical today as it was then. You can open your Bible and watch in Genesis chapter 3 as the enemy slithers onto the battlefield of the mind and using the form of a question... He presents the First Lady of Eden with the atomic bomb of destructive thoughts. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, here it is. Did God really say? That was it. That was it. I mean, all it took to separate humanity from a right standing relationship with God was one simple four-word question. And when Eve took ownership of that single thought, it exalted itself against the knowledge of God and sin entered the human race. Everyone born thereafter would suffer an estranged relationship from their creator. And we quickly discover that this is not only the first deadly thought, but it appears to be one of the enemy's favorites as it plays out over and over again throughout the Bible. The scripture tells us that Abraham and Sarah heard the same deadly thought, did God really say, causing them to take matters into their own hands, resulting in a whole bunch of unnecessary pain and and disappointment. The scripture tells us that 10 out of 12 leaders who spied out the promised land believed the did God really say question, resulting in 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, missing out on the promises of God. Why? Because the enemy loves to use what you see to keep you from believing what God has said. Now, let's let's bring this deadly thought down to a more personal level. I mean, if the enemy wanted to poison your perception of God, and God's will for your life, it might sound something, it might sound something like this, all right? Uh, did God really say that believing in what Jesus accomplished on the cross was enough to be saved? That's a big one. Did Jesus really say it is finished? Because some mornings I wake up and I feel like, oh, I've got so much more to do to earn God's love and favor. Did God really say that I'm accepted in the beloved as someone who's placed their faith in Jesus? Of course, the answer is yes to all three of those, but those are some of the ways we hear that question ringing in our minds. Okay, let's make it a little more practical. Did God really say that I should stay married? I mean, I mean, after all, I mean, God wants me to be happy, right? And my husband or my wife, I mean, they, they don't make me laugh as much as they used to, and you know, they don't take me out as much as they used to. I mean, I, I, I'm not really happy. I haven't really been happy with him or her for a long time. I mean, did God really say I should stay married? 
How about this one? Did God really say I should start a new business? I mean, I've never done this before. In fact, no one in my family's done this before. That's crazy. What was I thinking? Forget this. I'm going to go back to my nine to five. I'm going to go back to what I know and what is familiar. Or did God really say that through Christ I could be healed? That I could beat this addiction? That I could have a blessed and abundant life? The list goes on and on and on. And while the the question, did God really say, is definitely diabolical, it is not the question itself, but rather what's hidden inside that does the real damage, okay? The question is just, it's just the Trojan horse. It's the tool the enemy uses to introduce the real poison. And here's the real poison, doubt. Yep, Doubt is the nemesis of faith. It forms an unfinished picture in your mind that produces a sense of fear and anxiety in your heart. Okay, And you'll start to doubt God's nature and God's goodness towards you. And eventually, just like Eve in the book of Genesis, you'll wonder if God is keeping something good from you or, or if waiting for God to keep his promises is actually the best thing for you to do. And you'll eventually start taking matters into your own hands. Okay, and here's what we do. In order to find relief from this sudden sense of insecurity and uncertainty and fear, you'll be tempted to fill those gaps emotionally by settling for something less than what God created you for. Right? You're going to grab the quickest thing that's going to bring you some relief. And let me tell you from a personal experience over and over again, and everyone that's listening, people who have come through COVID and people who have come through some of the most difficult times in, in their season of ministry, in their season of business, in their season of marriage or family, it is usually in the middle of a storm that doubt knocks on the door of your heart. Okay, you can take it to the bank. Just like Peter walking on the water. He was doing great until he started focusing on how big the waves were and how hard the wind was blowing. And right there in the middle of the storm is where he heard that deadly thought. Did God really say? Yeah. Did God really say I should have stepped out of this boat? Did God really say I should have taken this enormous step of faith? Because doubt comes to convince you that you can't do what God said you can do, that you can't become who God said you could become, or you cannot have what God said you can have, okay? It's usually when you're single and tired of watching other people get married that you'll hear the enemy whisper, did God really say you should wait for the right one? I guarantee it, okay? He waits until you're tired, he waits until you're weary, and he waits until you're in the middle of a storm, Or it's going to happen when your marriage is under attack and it feels like all you ever do is argue and you're just in a rough patch and you're a rough season. That's when you're going to hear that question, did God really say? Did God really say he's the one? Did God really say she's the one? Did God really say you should stay married? Okay, It's when money gets tight and you're having a hard time making the ends meet. right? Or when the business or the ministry is not growing as fast as you wanted it to. That's when doubt will knock on the door of your heart and you're going to hear the enemy whisper, did God really say that you should do this? James, the half-brother of Jesus, sheds an important light on this concept of having a divided mind. He said in James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, he who doubts 
is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. He says in verse 8, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So according to James, what makes doubt so dangerous is that it possesses this ability or capacity to divide our mind. Our, Our mind is pointed in multiple directions. And the decisions made by divided mind will always be dictated by the storm rather than directed by the promises of God. I need to say that one more time for people that are taking notes. This is an important thought. The decisions made by a divided mind will always be dictated by the storm rather than directed by the promises of God. This is vital. As long as my mind is divided, as long as I'm allowing the storm of doubt to dictate my direction, Every time it gets hard, I'll stop and I'll quit and I won't move forward and I'll never arrive at my destination. Okay. Because just like a house divided against itself cannot stand, so a mind divided cannot discern God's voice, or at the very least, it makes it very hard to discern God's voice so that when he does speak, you're going to question whether or not it was God speaking to you at all. Because listen to me carefully. Every destiny has a destination, and every purpose has a place. And if we let the storm dictate our direction, we will never fulfill our destiny. Okay. And I always, <laughs> I always find it interesting that for the disciples of Jesus on the day of his crucifixion, the enemy used the cross to make the disciples doubt the promises of God. Isn't that interesting? The symbol that you and I look to now as a blessed assurance, the symbol of salvation, the symbol of redemption, for them, before the resurrection, that was no symbol of hope. For them, the enemy used his crucifixion and the cross to make the disciples doubt the promises of God. What's my point? Fast forward to today. Today, the enemy uses a mixture of self-righteous religion to make us doubt the power of the cross. And when we doubt the power of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, it leaves us asking the question, you already know it, did God really say? Okay, did Jesus really say, it is finished? And when you doubt the power of what Jesus did on the cross, you're never going to feel accepted or acceptable. You're never going to feel forgivable. You're never going to feel affirmable. Why? Because self-righteous attempts to get to God will always fall short, and it will never be enough ever, ever. So on the cross, Jesus announced the end, ladies and gentlemen, of all self-righteous religious attempts to get to God. Instead, God came to us in the form of Jesus, his son. And the Bible doesn't just say that he died for us. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 says, Jesus died as us. Oh my goodness, he paid our price in our place. He took all of our sins and all of our unrighteousness and upon believing in Jesus, And what he accomplished on the cross, we become everything we were once trying to earn. Yeah. So instead of earning righteousness, upon placing your faith in Jesus, you become the righteousness of God in Christ. Instead of trying to earn holiness, you guess what? You become holy as he is holy. Why am I even telling you about all of this when we're supposed to be talking about deadly thinking? Because the genesis of all doubt is found in and what we believe to be true about God and his heart towards us. And once you realize 
what Jesus accomplished on the cross is enough. Something radical changes. Upon placing your faith in Christ, he abides in you and you abide in Jesus. And that matters. Do you know why? Because according to the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, no matter how many promises God has made, I'm quoting the verse directly, no matter how many promises God has made, they're all yes in Christ. Watch this. They're not yes in you. They're not yes in Jim. They're not yes in Sarah. They're not yes in Paul. They're not yes in Travis. The promises of God are all yes in Christ. Because of what he did on the cross, you are now enough. You are not disqualified from the promises of God. So, did God really say you could be healed? Yes. <laughs> because all of the promises God made are yes in Christ. Did God really say you can be whole? Yes. Because all of the promises God has made are yes, not in you, in Christ. Did God really say that you can overcome whatever you're facing? Yes, absolutely. You can overcome. Why? Because the promises of God are not based upon your ability to produce perfection. They're based upon Christ and what he finished on the cross. You are a new creation. You are completely qualified for all of the promises of God. Did God really say? Yes, God really did say. Did God really say he can? Can God really restore your marriage? Absolutely, he can restore your marriage. Can he restore your family? Yes, he can restore your family. Uh, uh, Travis, are you sure? Did God really say? Yes. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. You know what that means? That means the storm will not dictate your destiny. It means the cross was enough. It means Jesus is enough, and his word is true. And today's transformational truth is faith conquers the doubt that keeps us from destiny. But faith in what? Faith in the reality that on the cross, when Jesus said it is finished, he meant it. He didn't say get started. He said, it is finished. The work is finished. God really did say, and all of the promises of God are yes in Christ. Listen, if you'd like to grab your own copy of Seven Deadly Thoughts, you can find it online at Amazon.com. And if Transformational Truths is helpful to you, please do me a favor. Take a moment, go to Apple iTunes, rate the show, and write us a quick review. I want to help you restore the joy to your life in your leadership. So I'll see you next time for part two in our series, Seven Deadly Thoughts.